All right. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the A. My name is Father Nathaniel. This is your first time. We are happy that you are here. As we are wrapping up a series of something we all experience, which is isolation and loneliness. And just from that clip, there is tremendous evidence and studies that show that it has a tremendous impact not only on our spiritual health, but our mental, emotional health as well when we are struggling with loneliness. This is a great weekend. Not only is it Labor Day weekend, but we are blessed to have Father Felix Sinos with us. Um, he's a beloved father serving with us here in the diocese, specifically in the central region. Uh, so we're very blessed to have Father Felix Sinos with us. And all of you, I might get in trouble with this question, but Coke or Pepsi? Oh. All right, very good. You know who would be super proud of all of you? I mean, for us being in Atlanta, that's the only answer. But for those who know, Michael Noir, Michael Noir is the treasurer for the church, and he works for Coca-Cola. So he'll be super proud of all of you for answering this question right. All right. LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Messi. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we can maybe disagree, and obviously you guys are... There are certain things that we can disagree with, but we can still move forward in our connection, our friendship, and our relationship. But I, I don't think it's just me. There's something happening in society that there are more arguments over fundamental things in society that's causing huge divisions within our family, within or, or communities, within workplaces. So many conversations, so many hot topics that are be, the, the conversations, the arguments are coming more fierce. They're related to more fundamental things and it's causing more division than any other time in human history, right? Let me just throw out some controversial topics. Vaccines, immigration, gender, abortion. These topics, once the conversation starts, it gets extremely heated and it causes immediate division. The ironic thing in American culture, in our, in our society, is that every, you hear a lot, we need to be all-inclusive, all-loving, all-accepting. But if I have a different worldview, what happens? I'm instantly canceled. I'm instantly blocked. So at a high level, we want to be all-inclusive, all-loving, accept everyone. Cool, awesome, that's awesome. But the second, I might have a different worldview or a different opinion than yours. What do you instantly do? You block me. I'm instantly blocked. This is a huge factor that feeds into our loneliness. This is a huge factor which affects us struggling with isolation and loneliness. The whole drive of this entire uh, series has been an article released by Dr. Vivek Murphy. He is the U.S. Surgeon General for, uh, obviously, of the U.S., and he released this article titled, Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation. And he talks about not the pandemic of, of COVID. He's talking about an epidemic that's taking America by storm and causing severe health issues in every sense. Causing America by storm and causing severe health issues in every sense. Causing damages in our social health, our mental health, our emotional health, and just the very fabric of society, the epidemic of loneliness. Oh, part one, this is part three of the series, but part one, we looked at, there was a dilemma. When you look at the, the creation of humanity, there was a dilemma in which the creator, the Holy Trinity, when he was created humanity, he realized we got a dilemma. This is not good for man to be alone. 
Don't limit this to the context of marriage alone, but there was a dilemma that needed to be addressed and resolved because God created you and me to be relational beings. So by divine design, we are naturally wired. This is our user manual. This is the very fabric of how you and I are designed to be. We are designed to need each other and to be belonged and for us to be connected to each other. This is by divine design. We try to convince ourselves, well, I can do this on my own. Or, I don't need him. I don't need her and, or so forth and so on. Or I hear a lot of times, and I'm sure one of you hear it all the time, well, I'm just coming to church just for liturgy. I don't want to deal with anyone because, you know, they, 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 they gossip, they have issues. I just want to come to church, do my thing, and walk back out. Cool. You can try to convince yourself that that's, that, 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 that's good enough. But your heart is desiring more. And it's not, like, this is not a, a personal opinion thing. This is science. Because you and I are wired to need and desire each other. So we looked at week one of the dilemma that it's not good for us to be in isolation and this and we, we looked at it from a sociological perspective, from a scientific perspective. Obviously all of this is threaded into a theological perspective. Last week we looked at the story of King David as, as being an example of that for you and I can always we can relate to this. Sometimes when we reach high success in any aspect of our lives or we reach failure and we're in the pit we feel we are distant from everyone. When I'm, I've reached success, I look down on everyone else. I have no one there to keep me accountable. And I'm blinded by those who might keep me in check. But if I'm at a, at a low pit, I put on a face, everything is good, yeah, thank God. And, 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 I, and I put on a smile, and I put this fake image in front of everyone that I have, I have my life all together. And we try to fake it until we make it. So either at a high or at a low, we struggle of falling into the trap of being and isolation. The sweet spot that you and I are trying to strive, maybe you're not, maybe you're not convinced, so I can't project that on you, but by divine design, what's the healthy sociological status that we want to reach is interdependency. Not, not, not like some people approach dating like, oh, he completes me, or he completes, you know, whatever, and I, like, like, I, I'm in need of her. You, you, that's disastrous. If the second someone says, I'm in need of this person, what's a healthy balance is interdependence. Interdependence. That's a healthy balance. So if we don't live interdependently, it's easy to cancel people out. If we do not live interdependently, we're like, you know, I, I, we're in need of each other for us to thrive, for us to grow. This is by this God's is, beautiful that's a design. healthy balance. Interdependency. If we're not thriving for that, and to the point where I'm putting all my weight on a friend and I expect them to solve all my problems. Or, I'll make this personal, I expect the priest to solve all my issues and I'm just throwing everything and all of a sudden I, expect, I better expect like a magic pill that's going to come and like fix all my issues. He's going to open his mouth and throw it. Like, and, unless there's interdependency, it's going to lead to disappointment. And it's going to lead to a point where, well, I'm done going to church. I'm done, I'm done dealing with that person. I'm going to block him. I'm going to cancel him. I'm going to block that group because I'm done with him. I'm done with her. And then we easily move on. A big reflex, a big reflex for all of us. We love to follow on social media. We love to watch. We love to post things that are only related to my worldview. Things that only make me comfortable. This is a confirmation bias, that what, what, what scientists would label this as confirmation bias. That I only want to believe what I want to believe, and I avoid any friction from anyone else who might have a different opinion altogether. You want to label this cancel culture, feel free, feel free to do as you wish. 
But there is something that's innate in all of us. We only want to surround people with, with us that agree with us. Right? You might see this in the workplace where you, the only pe- like, people are surrounded by the manager that they only agree with the manager. And, and there's never any tension. Because we like people, we like to surround ourselves with things that we want to believe. It makes us feel more comfortable. It makes life safer. And it just simplifies things. I'm only surrounding myself with things that I want to believe or that make me feel comfortable. Let me put this disclaimer out there. There are some times where you do need to cancel a group or a person or people. There are times where the most edifying thing for your soul and for your health is to cancel that person. But sometimes we have hijacked that and applied all the way around. Like there are certain scenarios where that's applicable and then somehow we want to abuse it and we just apply it all the way around. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm done with him, I'm done with her, I cancel him, I cancel her. And, and, we, and we just go on that rage and we just end up blocking everyone. So, but I, I just want to be sensitive. There are certain people and scenarios in which it is the healthiest thing to block that person, okay? But that's a different topic for us to go into, but I do want to just throw out that disclaimer. Be honest, be honest, be honest. Are you able to have, are you able to have friendships? Be honest. Are you able to have, are you able to have friendships with someone who votes for that other person? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I shouldn't. Yeah, Father Felix said, I should not say be honest. Yeah, you, you should lie. <laughs> Think about what we do. We only surround ourselves with people who vote the same as us, have the same worldview as us, and that we agree with. But if someone has a different opinion, I block him, I block her, I'm done with her. We instantly are unable to be engaged with them. There was a study that came out that shows contradictions and engaging with people who have different opinions than you stimulate neurological growth having conversations with someone who will naturally cause tension healthy tension it's okay to disagree on especially on things like this come on it 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 it, it, it develops neurological growth it stimulates new neural pathways when I'm able to engage with someone who is part of that other party or has a different opinion about X, Y, Z, it helps. But what do we do? We get emotionally fired up and we block that person and we're unable to meet them where they are because it hits and it strikes a chord within all of us. Some of you might have heard this ancient proverb. Some of you might not have not. But there's an ancient proverb written by King Solomon around the year 7 to 9 century B.C. King Solomon, who was one of the wisest people on planet Earth, he said these words. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So he gives this, this analogy. Just as for iron, for like to get sharpened, here I, I put this, this picture here. For iron to sharpen like another piece of iron, there's heat, there's friction, there's intensity, there's flames, there's fire. There, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of action. In order for one iron piece of iron to be sharpened, in order for it to do its job well, it needs to be sharpened by another, by another, uh, by another piece of iron. So he says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens 
another. Think about, I, don't, don't skip this. King Solomon is intentionally using an intense analogy. It's an intense analogy because this, there's heat, there's fire. This, this is an intense action that's happening for iron to sharpen iron. Do we utilize this for our own edification and for our own sociological growth? Do we embrace tension conversations or do we isolate ourselves by blocking that person? And prematurely, we've ended that relationship, that conversation over what? Over what? There's an advantage for your neurological growth. There's an advantage for your sociological growth. There's an advantage for your spiritual growth, for iron to sharpen iron and to meet that person where they are and to engage with them. But because of our fast-moving lifestyle, we block that person, we move on, I'm done with her, I'm done with him, and we continue to move, 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 instead of extending grace or patience to engage in that conversation. There was an early Christian missionary by the name of St. Paul the Apostle. He used to go by the name of Saul before he was a follower of Jesus, and then his name became Paul as being a follower of Jesus. And he wrote more than half of the New Testament. And he said these words right here. There is no Gentile, stick with me and I'll explain. There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. You know what's our language? You and I, consciously or subconsciously, label people. Those people. We label that group, that person, those people, right? You know, you know those people that, 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 you know those people that get you fired up? Those people that, ugh, every time, those, you know those people that make you, that, that make you have that reaction? St. Paul's saying, it, it, it doesn't matter if they're that, those people or that group or that group, it, it, it doesn't matter. But they are the icon of Christ. Can you see that group, that politician, that party, that person who has that different opinion than you that you cannot stand? Do you see them being the beautiful icon of Christ? You and I are designed and invited to put on a Christological lens of how we view others. Do I view someone as being holy and do I honor them? Do I see them being beautifully made as the image of Christ just as you are, just as I am? Do we do, we do that? Or we instantly, our, our, our weakness, our brokenness labels them, oh, that's those people. St. Paul's saying, uh-uh, don't fall into the trap of these labels as far as them being Gentile or Jew or circumcised or barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. No, no, don't, don't, just, don't just come to a conclusion of that label and then move on and then, and then just cut them out. Don't just fall into that trap of labeling them and then closing the door. But there is Christ dwelling within him, within her, with those people. There are three levels of believing anything. There's three levels of believing anything. So the, the three levels are this. Facts, opinions, and feelings. Facts, opinions and feelings this strengthens a belief and this strengthens a relationship and let me let me give you an example you might meet someone and you end up talking to them about facts right oh you know what do you do oh, oh the weather yeah it's getting hot can you believe it's september it's hot that, that's facts right that that's facts right you're, you're, there's no no opinion that's facts so sometimes we it's we of course we initiate relationships and conversations talking about facts okay but then the next level is opinions, my opinion about different things. Some of us think that our opinions are facts, 
but that's a different that's a different series probably that's that that's we don't have time for that today to talk about that but sometimes we have our opinion and we're so strong about our opinion that it becomes facts and i block people because i'm stating facts well uh, that's different but for us to create safe spaces for us to share our opinion well i this is i this is what i think but sometimes we're scared to share our opinion why because i'm going to be canceled i'm going to be blocked i'm going to lose that friendship if I share my opinion. We, we are unable to create safe places for us to be able to share my opinion without someone canceling me or blocking me or whatever, right? But we see this all around us in cancel culture, which still exists. Somebody said something that the world disagrees with in the year 2014, and all of a sudden you never hear of that person ever again because they said something which is different than mainstream worldview because that's their opinion. And then there's a deeper, more intimate conversation and any type of relationship or belief which is feelings i feel this i feel that a, a spiritual father gave me this advice between sarah and i in our marriage and i tell other people this all the time like when sarah used to tell me like well i feel this what was my reaction what what do you mean you shouldn't feel that you see how much i do around the house you have no right to feel this way because i do xyz in their house so don't tell me you feel like whatever and I, I, I instantly cancel her out. She tells me how she feels, but I cancel her because, like, no, there's no basis to it. I give her facts. But what I learned the hard way and what I tried to tell other people now, learning from my mistake, you have every right to feel the way you do. Like when, when a spouse or an anybody, this is how I feel. You have every right to feel the way you do. It is extremely valid. No one should put you down by the way you, you know, hey, nobody looks to the left or right of you when I say that. All right. <laughs> I said, oh, yes. no, 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 no. This is not, no. You, you can do that. <laughs> yeah, do that in your car on your back. <laughs> you have every right to feel the way you do. But we need to meet that person where they are and to validate and sympathize and empathize in the way they feel. And then this is how you can encourage a more intimate conversation together. So it needs to go in this order. Your beliefs on facts, it goes deeper into opinions and goes into feelings. It's this direction down, this is what strengthens any type of relationship. But most of us, any most of us, are, but most of us, most of us are scared to share our opinion. And I'll be honest, when people share their opinion about, oh, we need to do this in the church, we should stop doing this, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll confess. My instant reflex, sometimes depending on what it is, I get defensive. But then I have to praise them. I say, you know what? Thank you for, you for you coming to me and bringing this up to me. And sometimes it's blind spots and who I am. It's because of my weakness and there's blind spots and who I am as a spiritual father, as a father, as a husband. When, when Sarah brings out something about me, like I'm too, spending too much time on my phone, or someone says, well, we're doing this in the church, whatever, whatever it is. My reflex is to be defensive. But you know, when, I, when I put it in prayer, I can put, suppress that defensiveness and I encourage, and I say thank you for being open and honest, for sharing that. Do we create that space? Do we create that space for people to share their opinion and to engage in those conversations? Or do we naturally have this reflex of being defensive and we cancel them? It's just, no, 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 what you're saying is wrong. There's no justification to what you're saying. And sometimes we cancel that person. If I can, I want to share something completely off topic for a second, related to this. Off topic related to this. <laughs> For me, my belief, I mean, this does not have to be the case for you, so believe, this is just me. My belief, my worldview, 
is based off a fact that the, there's a person named Jesus of Nazareth predicted his own death. is based on that one central fact. So if that fact is bogus, then everything else falls apart. But because of the reality of the person of Jesus who predicted his own death, died, and tons of skeptics recorded and documented this reality, to me, this is where my belief begins. This is where it begins, because the reality of that person is my Savior, and is the end-all, be-all. In the words of St. Paul, which he ended, he's quoting Greek philosophy, in him we live and move and have our being. This is a reality to me because of this, this one central fact on who Jesus, the God-man, is. Everything else falls from there. Any opinion I have, I go back to, to the person who is the embodiment of the divine and humanity in one. Anything I might, my, any of my feelings, I center that back to that reality because this is the one who's there to, to fill in my insecurities, my anxiety, my voids, my pain, my struggles, my weakness. He's there to fill in all of that because of the reality of who he is. But again, this is me. I hope this is you as well, but this is, this is at least what I'm sharing for you. Going back to St. Paul, he gives us these words. He tells us this, therefore, he tells the people of, of, of Colossians this, and this is applicable to you and me. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I don't need to ask you this question. Don't, don't, like, any, regardless of your worldview or where, where you might stand right now with Jesus, you would agree with this, right? To, to clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Yeah, sure. This sounds nice, right? In theory, it sounds nice. But St. Paul is putting emotion and telling them, you are God's chosen people. You have been strategically made and beautifully made. You are elected by God to be the icon of him. You are holy and dearly loved. Put on, clothe yourself. Don't, just, he's not saying be kind, be gentle, be humble. No, he's not saying as if like, you know, be a little bit of this, be a little bit of that. No, he says clothe yourself, put it on you. It becomes a part of who you are. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I'm not sharing anything new to you. You, this is, you, you already know this. These are already virtues you wish to attain. But imagine this is how we move forward on how we connect with others. Imagine if this was our posture. This is how we went into that conflict, that tension, that, 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 that argument. Imagine this is the way we meet people where they are and for us to fight the disease, the epidemic of isolation and loneliness. Maybe we're blinded by how we cancel people and how we block people and we move on past that person, that group, but we're done with them because of what he said or because of what she said. What if God is wanting to do something big in you and through you by putting on these virtues? St. Paul also says this. Bear with each other and forgive one another. 
If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave. This is so emotional. This is so hard to do. This is why when Jesus was teaching his followers how to pray, he gave them a 30-second prayer. And he says, forgive them, Lord, just as you forgive me. The, the, Jesus, the, the Lord's Prayer, our Father. So he's, he's, he's trying to push us in the direction of forgiving others. This is not a button we press. But if we understand our value and our identity of how we have already been redeemed and restored as God's chosen people, then it's easier for me to move in the direction of saying, yeah, well, the person's weak, and he, you know, he probably texted me that, and he probably said that. You know, he was probably emotional, or he has other struggles going on, and he, he ended up just lashing out on me. Then I'm able to build that narrative because I'm able to forgive that person knowing my value and my worth and who my Savior is to me. This is not easy, believe me. I don't want to just make it seem like I'm speaking Sunday school churchy language. Yeah, forgive others. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, you don't know my story. You don't know what he did. You don't know what she did to me. I get it. But are we moving in that direction? Maybe some of you have heard this. St. James, a first century follower of Jesus, he said this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. I mean, look at, the, look at the emphasis. Look at the emotion. Look at the relationship. My brothers and sisters, please take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But no, we go with our opinion, which we think is a fact, and we say it to that person, and we've cut off that relationship. We've cut off that friendship. I shared a stat from Dr. Vivek Murthy from this epidemic article. One in four of us have estranged family members. This cancel culture of blocking that person is taking our American society by storm. But we have a responsibility to go that extra mile, to be slow, to, to, for us to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. I, don't ha I definitely don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand to this. But we've all experienced of saying something or doing something out of anger or out of emotion. And then we look back at it and we realize, why did I say that? I can't believe I actually said that out loud. But St. James is encouraging us. And he gets it from his own personal experience. We should be quick to listen. Ask that follow-up question to meet that person where they are before you become defensive. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then slow to become angry. All of this is obviously coming from Scripture. And this is the... The, the power of the church in the first century. And this obviously carries on in the first few centuries as well, where St. Gregory the theologian, a church father from the fourth century, he says this, and we pray this liturgically, the oneness of heart that is of love, may that take root in us. And according to our Coptic tradition, St. Gregory writes these words, and we pray this in the, in the Gregorian liturgy. The oneness of heart that is of love. We want that to take root within us. Not, not, if you notice, St. Gregory's not saying be, be loving. No, he's saying we want that to be the root and then let things come, let, let, let the fruit, let the byproduct from that root come out of love. But may the oneness of love that is, may the oneness of heart that is of love, may that take root in us. Dr. Vivek Murthy ends his article as far as the epidemic of loneliness and he ends it with this. If we fail, to build a more connected society and live more connected lives, we will pay an ever-increasing price in the form of our individual and collective health and well-being.
It's our responsibility to shift the trajectory of this epidemic for us to push forward and meeting people where they are and to fight, maybe to cancel, cancel culture. Maybe, maybe some of us feel lonely on where God is in our lives. And even through our hardships and trials in which we go through, I want us to know you are not alone in your own hardship and trial. That there's someone who's by your side who says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not abandon you, but I'm there to lift you up. And he is never far from you and me. Maybe our prayer for today, in addition to how we move forward and meet people, is for you to know that you are not alone in your own struggles of isolation and loneliness. But maybe that first step for us to push past this epidemic and push through is for us to say, Lord, I'm nothing without you. Take my right hand. By myself, I'm nothing. But you lead me and hold me and take me because when I'm with you, I'm everything. When I'm not with you, I'm lonely. Maybe that's our prayer today. What I'd love for us to do, I want us to sing a song together. We'll stand and we're going to pray together a song that's close to my heart. Uh, maybe some of us know this, but if you don't, it's okay for us to sing it together. We can stand and let's pray this song together. No, don't leave me alone, O my faithful shepherd. Guide me, dear Master, and be unto me a helper. I am, O Lord, without you nothing at all. I am, O Lord, without you nothing at all. So take my right hand, O Lord, and guide me in your way forever. So take my right hand, O Lord, and guide me in your way forever. And don't leave me alone in the midst of this darkness. Let your bright face guide me, O Lord, unto peace. I am, O Lord, without you nothing at all. I am, O Lord, without you nothing at all. So take my right hand, O Lord, and guide me in your way.
take my right hand, O Lord, and guide me in your way forever, and don't leave me alone, but hear my prayers and be there for me, redeem me for the rest of my life. I am, O Lord, without you, nothing at all. I am, O Lord, without you, nothing at all. So take my right hand, O Lord, and guide me in your way forever. So take my right hand, O Lord, and guide me in your way forever. No, don't leave me alone in the midst of this world. But come quickly, O Lord, and take me to heaven. I am, O Lord, without you, nothing at all. I am, O Lord, without you, nothing at all. So take my right hand, O Lord, and guide me in your way forever. So take my right hand, O Lord, and guide me. Thank you, God, for giving us this time to spend with you and to hear your words through Abuna and learn from you. And knowing that we are not alone in this world and we have no reason to fear and we don't have to one to trust and give him our right hand to lead us in this life except you. May the Lord give us all the faith and trust and hope to be with him forever and make us worth to pray thankfully our Father who art in heaven.